Hi there, and welcome to the Love Sick Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Sick Scribe. Imagine that you're listening to a well-known man or woman that is sharing an encounter with Jesus that they had. Maybe Jesus walked into the room. Maybe they were taken up into heaven or they were taken into hell or they were taken somewhere and Jesus began to talk to them and expound and and reveal all these hidden things to them, these hidden messages and these, these hidden secrets, these hidden truths, if you will, that they need to reveal to people. And it's very pertinent that, that these people share these these revelations with you so that way you can have a deeper understanding and a deeper revelation of what's going on. And when hearing these fantastical interviews and these exploits, these people are alleging that they've had dreams, visions, open visions, trances taken into heaven out of their body in the body they don't know as many would like to um, allude to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12. You may or may not have had a thought like this go through your head if you've even remotely entertained some of these stories or some of these interviews. Why don't I hear God's voice like that? Why doesn't Jesus come visit me in my living room or in my bedroom? Why do I not get to go on trips to heaven? Why do I not get to have all these fantastical exploits with God to where I can hear his voice or I get to have these open visions and trances? Well, I'm going to talk about that today because I believe that there's this phenomenon that goes on and, and it do, it's not isolated to the hyper charismatic church. This can happen in any religion, really. But what happens is, is that we have these people that are lifted up on pedestals. They're treated as special people or anointed people. And they begin to share these divine revelations and they verify them with unverifiable experiences. I'm going to share just a couple with you today. And there's many more out there, I can assure you. They're a dime a dozen today and they go on quite a bit. Now, could God potentially speak through a dream? Could God potentially do something that is beyond our comprehension? God can do what he wants. We do have parameters within the Word of God that helps us to understand the boundaries that are established and that are set. And when someone is blatantly contradicting what God's Word instructs us to do, which God's Word is not a, a suggestion, it's full of commands and instructions for us to follow in order for us to obey God and to glorify Him in word and deed as those who belong to Christ. When you hear these these things being said and they blatantly contradict Scripture, this is at the point where you need to, and you, you need to be doing this before you even listen, but you need to make sure that you come with an open Bible to anyone that is trying to tell you and relay to you some divine encounter that they've had and there's no verifiable witnesses, which you're going to see this in these couple of examples we're going to talk about today. And and this seems to be a pattern. Uh, people will talk about these divine revelations they've had, these trips to heaven. I've talked about trips to heaven before, specifically on another podcast. But you'll hear people talk about these instructions or commands that God gives them, and they're having these face-to-face encounters with Jesus. It most certainly seems like it points more back to that individual and them being special and anointed and receiving revelation. It points more so back to them than it does to, to God himself. So I want to encourage you today as you listen to this, when you hear these special people 
that are verifying divine revelation with unverifiable experiences. There are a few things that people do with some of these when they hear them. And we're going to talk about that at the end. And I want to encourage you in uh, after we've listened to some of these and taken a look at what's being said in accordance with scripture, which is perfectly okay to do, by the way, and it is biblical to do this. I want to take you back and encourage you at the end for those who have maybe had those questions, maybe you were part of this movement in the past and or that you've just come out of it or you've heard family members talk about that they've had these divine encounters and revelations. And there's almost this underlying current in these types of movements that if you don't have these experiences, that you're not really that special, that, you, that you're not really growing closer to God if you don't have these types of experiences that you can attest to. And I want to encourage you again uh, at the end, what to do with these things and how to feel about these questions, what to, what to make of these questions that you, that you may or may not have had of, why doesn't God talk to me this way? Why don't I have these divine encounters? I want to look at two different men today. I want to look at one that some people may know the name of. His name is Bobby Connor. I'd recently come across an excerpt from an interview that Todd White did on his podcast with Bobby Connor. Bobby Connor was affiliated. He's a, a, a self-professing prophet. He has affiliations with Bob Jones, for example. And then the second individual we're going to be looking at today, his name is Kevin Zadai. Now, he goes by Dr. Kevin Zadai, but I don't know if that doctor is legitimate or not. So I am not going to acknowledge him by doctor. It's going to be Kevin Zadai. Personally, as someone who has a professional degree as a doctor, I have a doctorate in veterinary medicine. I do take it seriously when someone has worked hard to get a doctorate, and I do not honor diploma mill doctorates. So I don't know if this is a real doctorate or not. So Kevin Zadai is the second gentleman we're going to be looking at today. As we talk about special people verifying divine revelation with unverifiable experiences, these are the two examples that I'm going to use. First, we're going to look at Bobby Connor. So as we listen to these clips today, I want us to think about these questions. Who is being exalted when these accounts are being told? What message is proclaimed? Is the gospel clearly being proclaimed when you hear these things? Is Christ being exalted or is man being exalted? Which goes back to the first question. But what message is being proclaimed? Is anything said that's contradicting scripture? That should be a major red flag to you. When someone comes and they are first professing that they're a prophet, secondly, they're professing that they have some divine revelation that is not found in scripture, or they quote scripture and, it, and their actions completely contradict what God's instruction says, which we are going to see with Bobby Connor in just a moment. I want you to think about that. Does it contradict scripture? Because the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who abides and indwells believers in Christ, is not going to contradict the word that is God-breathed, that he helped to author, carrying men along and writing the scriptures. He's not going to do that. So if it contradicts scripture, then it is okay to call it into question. And this is something that many have seen happen is that when you begin to call something into question and it's someone that's very well known, uh, revered, respected, then it's off limits. And that should not be the case. We are never told in scripture that that is a a prerequisite for being able to to expound on extra biblical revelation or to contradict scripture is if this person has a massive following Everybody is to be questioned and to be tested against Scripture. And Scripture is the standard by which we live. 
and what we know to be right and true. Another question I want to consider is, can we reject special instances proclaimed by special people? And the answer should um, invariably be yes. We should be able to question and even reject special instances proclaimed by special people. With that, let's take a look at a very short clip. What we're going to do is we're going to look at Bobby Connor first. This was a recent interview, as I said, that he did with Todd White. I went to a seminary. <clears throat> now, I, this I is, love this. this now, these this, are my favorite. Just bring I went it. to a seminary, <laughs> and uh, the Lord said, uh, Bobby, I want you to only say what I say. My wife was there. We go to this seminary, and it was a Church of God seminary. You know, they were kind of not really into the supernatural stuff. And I said, God, I'll say anything you want me to say. That's what I said to the Lord. And I meant it. And now I know the, the Bible said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but no. And so- I want you to pay attention. He just quoted a partial scripture there, Ephesians 4.29. We're going to come back to that in just a minute and take a look at it. But I want you to notice he inserted that there in that story and listen to what he, he is getting ready to say happened. The Lord said, okay, when you get up there, I want you to open your Bible and say to them, your problem is... You're too full of S-H-I-T. Oh, my goodness. Only I had to say it. I said, God, I'm I'm not going to do it. He said, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. He said, yes, you are, and I go into a trance. Now, he just said that the God, the holy God, the, the true and living God, told him after he just partially quoted scripture about no, let no, let no corrupt talk come from your mouth, He just says, God tells him, he can't even say it out loud on Todd White's podcast because he spells it as if a child is in the room or if God is listening, okay? And I want you to think about that. And there may be a little bit of facetiousness in in this podcast today. And this is the frustrating part of this is that people are being taken advantage of by this type of teaching. And it's not being checked. It's just being permitted. It's being given a green pass because it's Bobby Connor. And no one, I mean, Todd White is not even saying anything to contradict this. He's just kind of sitting there with this dumbfounded look on his face, as he should. But he should have said, we're not doing this. I'm sorry, but no, we're not. But instead, we let this, this behavior goes unchecked. It's go, it goes unchecked because of who's, who's saying it. And it's, it's given a green, green light, a green pass. So we have this man who's, who claims to be a prophet saying that God told him to say something profane in this seminary. And then he goes on to say that he he argues with with the living God. He argues with God and says, "No, I'm not going to do that." What do we call what what do we call that when when someone does not obey God? And and let's just put aside the fact that what he what he's saying that God told him to do is completely contradicting scripture. What do we call that when someone uh, disobeys God? That's rebellion and that's sinful. But he's trying to try to he's trying to assign this sin, this way of talking back to God, even though it contradicts what God's instruction is to the believer in Christ. Are you confused yet? Because <laughs> because it seems like it goes around in circles when you're talking about it. But this is this is the this is a prime example of what I'm talking about. And now he's getting ready to verify this revelation with an unverifiable experience. He said, yes, you are, and I go into a trance. I see every person in the room, and uh, every person. I could tell you, describe their clothing. Wow. And there's supposed to be a lady over there in a white suit, 
And then I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, when I get there to the platform, if everything's like it is I see in this vision, I will save what you said. And so I get there, and there's no white, there's no woman in a white suit over there. So I said, I'm not going to have to do it. And I hear a shuffling. It's the ushers ushering her into her seat. And she took her seat. The Lord said, okay, do what I told you. How does Bobby Connor know if he knows that Ephesians 4.29 says what it says, that warn us or instruct us to not have corrupt talk or use profane language or profane talk? How does he know that this voice speaking to him is God when it's contradicting Scripture? How does he know that even though this trance, he says he was taken into a trance, and then that it was it was authenticated because the white the woman in the white suit sat down, and then that was the kind of like his go to oh yes you need to go ahead and do this and that's that's what I'll do I'll put out this fleece God that if this trance comes to pass, then then I'll do it. How does he know that was God? See that should have been tested as someone who cl- is claiming to be seasoned. That should have been tested from the person that is claiming the revelation. And when someone is claiming revelation that contradicts scripture from the get-go, it's not professing Christ, not professing the gospel. This is actually promoting and promulgating the the thought that if you don't believe in miracles, signs, and wonders, that you are just full of, you're full of dung, you're full of manure, is another way you could put it. I said, oh Lord, I get up there and I said to him, I said, I am so sorry. I won't be able to uh, to speak here because your problem is you're too full of, and I had to say it. Oh, my goodness. And then the Lord said, you're going to have to repeat yourself. They don't think they heard you. I had to say it twice. And there's all, there's preachers out there, and the guy that invited me sat right there. And so I just closed my stuff and went back and sat by him. He goes on in this interview to talk about how the pastor that had invited him gets up after he closes up his book and, and sits down, his Bible, and sits down, that the man says, well, I'm, I'm afraid that we've heard the truth here today. And then he goes on to say that there was lots of corruption and things that were revealed and exposed in that ministry. We don't know the name of the ministry. We don't know who it was that got up. We have no way to verify this. We are just going on what he said, accepting that it's the fact, regardless of the fact that he blatantly contradicted what Scripture said to do. I want to read to you in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is encouraging the believers in Ephesus in the way that they should conduct themselves and they should walk, and that they should um, remember that they are to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness in verse 24. And we go on to verse 25, and it says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So this particular example that Bobby Connor shares, and I know that there's other examples we can share in Scripture that tell us how we are to conduct ourselves, how we are to speak, that glorifies God. This type of talk did not glorify God. There's no way that this glorified God. It did not give grace to those who heard it. It was corrupt talk. 
And how do we know it was corrupt? Because again, he wouldn't even say the word on Todd White's podcast. If you spell it, then you know in there's something within you that says, I should not be talking this way. Why would God tell me to talk some way when I can't even say it out loud? That should be a red flag to you right there. But we, again, this, there's a stigma that goes back, well, you can't question these people. You can't touch the anointed. You can't do this. You can't do that. No, we can, because scripture tells us we can do that. That doesn't mean that we're being malicious. It doesn't mean that we're having any ill intent. Some people do. But when we question, that does not automatically mean someone has a demon, someone is opposed to the move of God, that someone is being malicious, that they have ill intent, that their heart is impure, that they don't have uh, the right motives. That's not what that means. Scripture explicitly tells us that we are to test everything. We are to have biblical discernment. We are not to check our brains at the door and just think with our hearts and shut your mind off and don't, you know, don't use logic because that'll just shut down the move of the Holy Spirit and you'll quench the spirit by doing that. You were given a mind by God for a reason, and it is to be used for the glory of God. It's not to be shut down or checked at the door. It's to be used for the glory of God. You cannot trust your heart completely to do things and to be led by your emotions all the time and by your heart. Because when you do that, you will fall into deception and then you will believe everything that you hear and you won't run it through the, the plumb line, through the standard. You won't hold it against the standard, which is the word of God to see what did God really say that I can trust that he said. Quite frankly, I don't accept this account because this is not honoring God. This is pointing back to Bobby as well. When you listen to this interview, it's always pointing back to Bobby. It's always pointing back to how he heard God and how he had to say this and he had to say that and he wasn't going to say this. And But he went back and forth and argued with God and that he said the hard things and then all these great things happened because he's so anointed. He may not, he may not think that about himself. I don't know what his intentions are, but that is pointing back to him. It's not glorifying Christ. This is not glorifying Christ. And especially when it's contradicting the instructions from the word of God. That's example number one. Example number two is Kevin Zadai. Kevin Zadai has been on the Sid Roth program numerous times. He has a TV program called The Secret Place. And I have listened to a couple of these and I've listened to some other interviews that he's done. Uh, quite frankly, I'm, I'm troubled and I'm frustrated when I listen to him talk because he sits and he just expounds on personal experiences, these grand encounters that he's had with Jesus face to face, or his first one was when he said that he uh, died in a dent in a during a dental procedure and he was taken into heaven and God showed him all of these amazing things and gave him all this revelation. And he says he's he claims he's gone to heaven before. Um, he has been mentored by Jesse Duplantis. So some of the things that he says seem to be echoed from Jesse Duplantis. I know Jesse Duplantis has talked. He's very much word of faith. He t- has talked about um, the power of your words and watching what you say and calling those things in. And Kevin Zadai has a, a recent book out that talks about the power of your words. And there's some questionable things he talks about in there. And one of the things that he espouses, uh, which Jesse Duplantis, I believe, has also espoused this because of um, affiliations as well with Kenneth Copeland and others who have claimed this teaching for years, as well as Kenneth Hagin did, that Jesus, what he did on the cross was essentially not sufficient. And so he took on Satan's nature in hell and that he suffered in hell. Now, Kevin, I haven't heard him expound a whole lot on that as far as taking on Satan's nature. 
I, I'm just really bothered. I, I honestly, I'm really grieved and troubled by what I hear coming out of him because it's just not matching up with the God of the Bible. And this should be a huge red flag to anyone that's listening to this. And again, it's creating this whole class of, of Christian that these are special people special people that are having these grand experiences, these grand revelations given to them that we can't find in scripture. It's adding to scripture. And if he says that Jesus is telling him this, then this is holy. So this is something that everybody should be listening to, right? If someone is saying, I went to heaven and Jesus told me this, then what you are saying is no different than what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, which is very little about his uh, experience in heaven. And he was given a thorn in the flesh to not keep him puffed up and full of conceit because of the revelation given to him. So we have these things that are recorded in scripture that are recognized as the divine word of God. And then we want to play semantics today and say, well, this person said that Jesus, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, told them, blah, 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 A, B, C, D, E, told them this, Jesus told me this, Jesus told me that, Jesus told me this, but that's not on par with scripture. Because if you're saying that God's speaking in that that moment to you, then a question that I've posed before with some of the prophetic words and such is, when do you decide And as someone who was part of this movement and has come out of it and repented and seen error that I was involved in, at what point do you say that God speaking is not authoritative? Because there is nowhere in scripture where God speaks that he is not authoritative. God speaking is always authoritative. And forgive me, but I was one of these people in this movement that used to say, well, I'm practicing hearing the voice of God and, and, you know, we're all learning and growing and we're not going to get it all right. But, you know, there's grace, grace, grace. So I do take issue with that because God speaking is authoritative. And so these people claiming this, they're doing this because it makes them special. It makes the, it, it highlights them. It's establishing classes of Christians for one thing. It's establishing this hierarchy of special people. And these special people are to be looked up to and they're to be sought after for these revelations. And if you just buy their CDs or you buy their books or you buy their DVDs, then you're going to gain all these things and all this revelation and you're going to have healing and you're going to be able to hear the voice of God for yourself. Well, the question is, what voice are you hearing? Because if you don't know what scripture says to begin with, you're hearing this voice speak to you and you don't even know that this voice is contradicting what God's word says. It contradicts the nature of Christ. It contradicts what's testified of in scripture. Then how are you supposed to know that the voice you're hearing is God's voice? And then it it makes a class of quote believers that are doing this. And then on top of that, people are utilizing these trances and these visions they're alleging that they're having them. So we don't know if they are or not. There's no witnesses. And scripture helps us to see that the gospels, for example, when they were written, there are witnesses. There were eyewitnesses. There were disciples that saw these things. They could attest to these things. There were 500 people that saw that saw Christ resurrected. So the, there are verifiable things that happen in scripture and there are witnesses to back it up. Many of these people, if you will pay attention and notice, many of these people that are saying that they had these experiences, there are no witnesses. There are no witnesses to say, well, they did have a trance. Well, they did hear the voice because I heard the voice too. There's nothing to verify it, but they will use these supernatural experiences to verify their experience. But it's unverifiable, but you're supposed to believe it. 
because they're anointed and they've heard from God and you need to li- and you better listen and you better not question. Otherwise, then you are a Pharisee, you're a religious spirit, you're critical, you are full of the devil, you don't know God, you are void of the Holy Spirit. You, all the name calling goes on and on and on because you don't know God because you haven't heard God for yourself. Poor little thing. You haven't heard the voice of God for yourself. Well, I would argue first and foremost that you have heard the word. If you know Christ, then you heard John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's a salvific call. That's not a personal call for you to go off and try to hear the voice of God for yourself so you can be special. We have this tendency to to be very egotistical. All of us do. And we think, I'm just so special. Because I heard, I heard the voice of God. When, when you're in part of these movements, you, there is this tendency, it's a false humility to think, oh, well, I heard the voice of God. I am so special. You're not that special. What makes you special is who you are in Christ. It points back to him. That's what we, our value is in him. Our identity is in him. Our hope is in him. Our faith is in him. Without him, we're nothing. And apart from him, the wrath of God abides on us. So that should tell us how special we are. So having said all that, let's move on to Kevin Zadai. So again, back to the secret place. He bases it on his experiences with Jesus in uh, 1992 when he had his near-death experience, it sounds like, if that's what happened. But this first one, we're going to go through this teaching that he did. And I know that you won't be able to see this on the podcast, but he has, and this may sound nitpicky, he has no Bible in front of him when he's telling all this. He is completely and 100% relying on his personal experiences to expound upon what he's saying. And the name of this video was, I was shocked at the way Jesus talked to me. So we're going to make some observations throughout this. It's 23 minutes long, but I am not going to play that whole thing. I'm going to play short little clips as we go. And I want you to take note. He says something repeatedly that I think is worth noting. And then I'm also going to point out some of the things that he's saying throughout here. And again, keep those questions that I had at the beginning in, in your mind. Who is being exalted? Who's being exalted in these experiences? What message is proclaimed? Is anything said contradicting scripture? Can we reject special instances proclaimed by special people? Let's start at the beginning of this teaching. I was shocked at the way Jesus talked to me. Now, since we're not playing the whole thing in just clips, I want to preface this by saying he's going to be talking a lot about Moses. The main focus here is Moses, not Christ by the way, because at the end of this broadcast, he tells people, you need to go study Exodus and you need to study the life of Moses because the Lord told him that and that we are to model our lives after Moses. Is that what scripture tells us? Hmm. Let's think about that. But we're going to go ahead and listen to what he says about the prophetic womb in a, um, and related to Moses. He was already ordained to be the deliverer. And the Lord showed me that this is what happens. Every generation has a a prophetic flow in the womb. Every person on the earth is supposed to be brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Did you know that all the people in the world that are born, they are in heaven listed as becoming children of God, but they're not able to go to heaven because they don't acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Where do we see that in scripture? He did not quote any scripture to verify what he just said, but he's just saying that all of the the names of people that are born are listed in heaven and that they are all meant to become believers. Where do we find that in the word of God? Think about that because 
I can't find it in scripture. I read about the Lamb's Book of Life and those names that are written in it that, that are of God, that belong to God, that are sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now he's going to talk about this current generation and what Jesus told him. It was all set up. And so Jesus was talking to me about this generation. And this is what he said. He said, Kevin, I used to have years to get people ready for what I have for them. He said, but now I only have days. And it shocked me. He said, you know, the time is short. And I was shocked at the way he was talking because he was talking as though our generation was the last generation. And I saw that everything that happens now in your life is strategic to get you ready. So you have to overcome things and you have to stop the enemy from coming in. I saw that we had to learn how to operate with angels. I saw that we had to learn how to operate in the gifts of the spirit and in prophecy and learn how to prophesy to our world and frame our world with our words. I saw that the angels were gonna be helping us because we were activating the spiritual realm with our words. I want you to notice here, this is word of faith. He is talking about framing the world with your words, and that is word of faith, my friend, and that is not biblical. And I was in part of a a word of faith church. This is not biblical practice. When you look at the roots of this and you look at the, the teaching, the underlying teaching of this, it is not biblical practice. We don't create the world with our words. God has created the world. He is the deliverer. We are not. He is the redeemer. We are not. He is the savior. We are not. Period. End of sentence. On to the next paragraph. That should be enough for us to understand. We are not the redeemer or the savior, and we're not called to be like Moses. We're called to be like Christ. Now, we're going to listen to the to more clips here, but I wanted just to point that out to you. And notice, too, he's talking about activating angels. We don't activate angels. We don't activate them. We can't command angels. We can't demand them. There, there's a lot of stuff going on in here. You got to really pay attention to what he's saying because he's a smooth talker in some of this, but it's still, it's not lining up with scripture and he does not have his Bible out in front of him. He's not pointing to scripture. He's pointing to his personal experience and he's using the name of Jesus in order to verify it. And he's saying, Jesus said this, Jesus said that. That's one thing I want you to notice. I mentioned that a few minutes ago. He says a lot. Jesus told me, Jesus told me, Jesus told me. Well, the argument could be made when you say, Jesus told me, then your words that you are claiming are on par with scripture. That is authoritative. You are saying the second person of the Trinity spoke to you and said this. So when you do that, you are held accountable for those words. And if you're speaking in vain, you're saying that God said something, then you're taking his name in vain. You're misappropriating words. You're you're bearing false witness. You're saying that he told you things and showed you things that he didn't. There's a lot of problems here. And so we need to be willing to look at that. And again, this is not to be malicious or anything. This is to get you thinking biblically about what's going on here. And to test this, you don't need to be listening to these people. You don't need as far as trying to glean from them and and understand the word better. He never, I, like I said, he never refers to the word at all here. And even then, when people refer to the word, you need to make sure that you're being a student of the word and what you're being taught is truly lining up with what the word testifies of and that someone's not taking the word and twisting it to suit their notions. But there are people that are consistently doing this and they're doing it for shameful gain so that they can they can benefit off of people. We're going to go on and see what he says at about the five minute, 50 second mark where Kevin was told by God about Moses 
and the prophetic generation. Let's see what he says there. So when I came back, it was really disappointing to me for a while, but Jesus told me and reminded me to talk about what he mentioned about Moses, is that there's a deliverer that has, has come in the womb, and the church of, of the Lord Jesus Christ has a prophetic generation that's in the womb. And then he showed me that Satan catches wind when Israel became a nation in 1948, that Satan discerned that possibly what Jesus said, that that generation would not pass away until the coming of the Lord. So uh, what he did was he legalized uh, abortion so that he could take the babies out of the womb that could be the prophetic generation that's going to usher in the coming of the Lord. And so I Again, where does it say in Scripture that we will usher in the kingdom of God? This really seems to hearken to a dominion theology and to say that God is dependent upon us and that if this generation doesn't come to pass, this prophetic generation that's in the womb, then God can't come, that, that Christ can't return. Christ's return is not dependent upon us. <laughs> I mean, this is really ignoring the sovereignty of God and it's putting the power in our hands and saying, well, God's hands are tied. And that goes back to another area of word of faith teaching is that, well, God's hands are tied and he can't do anything legally in this earth without going through a human being. Uh, Chapter and verse, please. Um, That is not the God of the Bible that's being that's being attested of at all. And so he's talking about this prophetic generation. This is something, again, that's been talked about in these types of movements for a long time, that there is a the last generation is here and they're going to usher in the greatest move of God. the Billion Soul Harvest, which Bob Jones was the one that, that told of that prophecy years ago. And so this continues to be perpetuated and talking about the Deliverer. Now, I want just to point something out to you that's that we need to understand. There is only one Deliverer, as I said, and that's Christ. And Moses, if you look at what is told about him, Moses is really pointing back to Christ. He's a type and shadow of Christ. And even in Deuteronomy 18, Moses tells the people, he prophesies, Deuteronomy 18, 15, Moses prophesies of the coming Messiah, the coming of Jesus Christ. And he tells them of the prophet that will come. In Deuteronomy 18, we see that. It says, uh, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desire of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly. And so we see here that this is prophesying when it talks about the New Testament of the prophet. This is the reference point, is Deuteronomy 18.15. This is foretelling of the coming of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. He is the one to whom Israel will listen. And so to treat this whole thing of, well, there's a prophetic generation that's going to be basically like the deliverers, like Moses, and that they, that's why Satan legalized abortion and did all this because he's trying to stop that. The deliverer has already come, guys. His name is Jesus Christ. And what Kevin, unfortunately, what he's not doing in this broadcast is proclaiming the gospel. He's not proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what saves people. This is what needs to be proclaimed. This is what needs to be broadcasted, to be told to the four corners of the earth is repent and believe and trust and put your faith in Christ to save you from the wrath of God, to save you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, to reconcile you back to the Father, to, to, to justify you and to to um, to bring you back in before God to where you can be a co-heir with Christ 
and to have the promise of eternal life. But instead, we're hearing these these fantastical exploits of Jesus allegedly saying these things to him and him expounding on them. Let's listen to some more things from this broadcast. At around the 14-minute mark, he begins to talk about praying in the Holy Spirit and saying how important this is for those who are Spirit-filled, which again, there is a distinction made in this broadcast, I would say, between believers who are Spirit-filled and not Spirit-filled. There is no distinction in Scripture of that being made. All believers are filled and indwelled with the Holy Spirit. There is a continual feeling that happens of being uh, spiritually mature and growing in spiritual maturity by the power of the Holy Spirit, but we are filled for a work of service. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell us at the moment of salvation. So there are no haves and have nots in the kingdom of God. And so, but he is going to expound on the the power of praying in tongues. And this is what he has to say about it. It was amazing because it was beyond what I could comprehend what was being said. I saw that the Holy Spirit was calling those things that are not as though they were. He was reading off of a script of, of days and weeks ahead. I'm not kidding you. So I don't know personally why people wouldn't pray in tongues. Uh, I hope you noticed this. I thought this was a very subtle point that he said when he said that he knew that the that he recognized the Holy Spirit was calling those things that aren't as though they were. He was referencing Romans 4.17. Now, this is a passage I have talked about before in another broadcast when I recently talked about the word of faith. This particular verse is quoted quite often in the word of faith that you call things that aren't as though they were. When, when you look at that in context, that is actually talking about God and the relationship that Abraham had with him and Abraham trusting God by faith that his faith was in God and what and his promise and that he recognized that God was the one that calls things that aren't as though they were. I want you to notice something that he did here. When he says this, and he says that when praying in tongues, that he noticed that the Holy Spirit was doing this, this is essentially trying to make an answer for that scripture. And it's giving a a justification for you praying in tongues and you calling things into existence. Because when you're assigning it to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, then you can get away with it. But that's not the context of what was being done there. And that doesn't have anything to do with praying in tongues. Again, please read your Bible. Go back and study the word. When people are referencing things like this and they're ascribing it to something else, you need to pay attention. This is nothing to, Romans 4, 17 has nothing to do with praying in tongues, thereby you cannot bypass what that verse means and basically say, well, when I pray in tongues, I'm calling those things that aren't as though they were in accordance with Romans 4, 17. That's not how that works. That's not how any of this works. Again, we don't do that. So we're not God. That particular verse is talking about God and what he does. I just want to draw that to your attention so that we can take note of it. He's going to help you. He just needs you to submit. And I I know that this is uh, easier said than done, but I've gone through it. And I know that if I've gone through it, you can go through it. You can make it through this. You have to finish your training. God's going to use you in a mighty way. And if he can trust you with the finances you have now, he's going to trust you with even greater finances. So at around the 15, 20 minute mark, he is talking about uh, that you just need to submit, that the key is that you need to submit. And if he could do that, then God could help him. See, again, it's lifting him up and he's trying to, it seems like he's trying to encourage people, but at the same time, he's really exalting himself and saying, see, well, if God can do this in me, then he can do this in you. And he's saying that God just needs you to submit. It's really making God sound desperate. I know that maybe sounds nitpicky, but God doesn't need anything from us. He's self-sufficient. 
He doesn't need us. He doesn't need anything from us. And if on the contrary, he commands us in scripture to obey him, to follow him. Yes, there is a partial truth there. We are to submit to him. But to say, well, he just needs you to submit, that makes God sound needy. That he is so dependent. Oh, just will you just submit to him? He just needs you to submit. Will you just do it? I mean, it's kind of like a parent that's having to bend to the the whim of a toddler. Uh, I don't know anybody like that personally that's having to do that. Hint, hint, cough, cough. Not talking about myself, but there's <laughs> there's sometimes even as parents that we that we feel like that we have to bow to that pressure. It's almost as if we have that mentality sometimes that we think, well, we're the child, and that God is just having to kowtow to what we're doing. That He'll just give in. That's a God of our own imagination. <laughs> it's a God of our own making when we do that. Ah, okay, let's keep going. So Kevin uses himself as an example. Again, I said, you know, why, why, not you, why not point to Christ as the example? That's the question I have. I understand that we can be encouraged by one another. So please don't hear what I'm not saying. I understand we can be encouraged by one another. At the same time, this is a common theme in these things. Personal experience, exalting, look how special I am, whether I say that with my words, but I'm anointed. Look how powerful and anointed I am. God came to me. He comes to me personally. He reveals these things to me. And then a person listening is is left going, why don't I hear the voice of God like that? Why doesn't Jesus come into my living room? Why, do, why can't I attest to these things? And then we feel like that we're a, a lower class Christian, like that we're a Christian in coach as, a pers- as opposed to like a Christian in first class. There are no class of Christians, guys. It's not there in scripture. We are all one in Christ Jesus when we know Christ. We are one in Christ. There is no one that's more special than someone else. And special people, if they're going to say that they're special, then they're going to be held to a higher higher accountability. They need to be held to a higher standard of accountability if they want to be special. They need to be held to this standard of, is what you're saying lining up with scripture? No, then we reject it. Then that's not a malicious thing of rejecting you as a person and not, and not saying that you don't have uh, value as far as needing to hear the gospel, but we're not going to take stock in your words when they contradict scripture and they contradict and tell of another God and another Christ. And the gospel is not even being ministered. Not once in this whole broadcast, um, I can leave the full link below in this podcast, not once was the full gospel ministered. So he goes on to talk. So let's go on and see what more Kevin has to say. To, to prophesy to people, if you'll just do what he says to do, and I found out to know what he needs you to do, you have to pray in tongues all the time. Just pray in tongues every day as much as you can. And then don't worry about the understanding because it's going to come up. It will eventually come up. There will be overthrow within you. What happens is, is the spirit of truth will start to win you over inside and expand. And my spirit started to grow. When I was in heaven with Jesus, my, my spirit, my inner man was 30 feet in diameter. And my body is not that big, thank God. But- if you could see my face right now, I really, I heard this when he said it and I had to play it back again because I didn't think I heard him correctly, but I heard it. You, and you heard it. It, it, he was 30 feet. Yeah. That's what you heard. Again, are we supposed to believe this? If you don't believe it, then you are labeled in a negative way and you're not part of the move of God. I don't believe this. So I'm, I'm going to welcome whatever negative connotation I get assigned to me because I'm going to believe what Scripture says. And Scripture says nothing about this. This is extra biblical, and it's not necessary. 
And I know it's not necessary because if it was necessary for me to know that, it would have been in the Word of God. Let's keep going. And my body is not that big, thank God. But my spirit was bigger than my body. And Jesus said, this is just the beginning. It's because you fed your spirit all these years and you grew, you outgrew your body. So your, your spiritual authority goes out 30 feet. And now it's out further than that. It actually goes uh, a lot further out than the building I'm in right now. And so, so I want you to notice again, this is an elevation of self. This is not exalting Christ. This is talking about him and his power, and now it's extending outside the building that he's in. So it, he's like he's like a superhuman. He's like a, a superhero. This is just not biblical teaching. This is not exalting Christ. This is this is this is exalting Kevin. Kevin's a die. This is exalting him. Show me that angels will come and stand beside people, and they will start to help the people help you to walk in what God has for you. So you'll actually feel on both sides of you. Uh, someone standing and they'll be ushering you all around and I, I have this happen all the time and it's kind of a crazy feeling because you actually feel like there's two people uh, literal people on each side of you and no matter what you want to do you can't turn to the right or the left if the angels aren't wanting you to do that it feels like you have to go through the profile that God has already chosen for you now this is not just for me this is for everybody Again, extra biblical revelation. He's talking about you'll feel these angels. Well, what happens when you don't feel it? Well, then you're not one of the special people. And you don't have a verifiable, you can't verify your revelation with unverifiable experiences. So you're not special because you don't feel those angels around you. And you don't have angels that are keeping you from sinning. Where is that in scripture? You have angels that are going to keep you from not going the right way. They're going to control your free will. Is that how that works? They're going to treat you, you're a robot now. I mean, I know that I'm reading some into this. I want you to, to just consider what he's saying. Because this, again, it's not lining up with the God of the Bible and what the word instructs us to do. And then we're relying on all this supernatural, extra biblical minutia. This is based in subjective experience that we are supposed to believe is the truth. But we don't want to put it on par with scripture because then we might have to be accountable for it. There's one more clip from this I wanted to play. I thought that was interesting. He talks about the white horse. Let's see what he says. Said we don't have a lot of time left. I saw the white horse in a stall that Jesus is going to ride back. I saw it kicking the stall because it knew it was almost time to go. That white horse wants to come back with Jesus on it. I saw the horse being steadied in his stall. A hand was on its bridle and was holding it back. That's how close we are to the end times. I saw this, and I saw that Jesus wanted everyone to be faithful and submit to the disciplines. That, that Think about this. Moses was able to be with God 40 days at a time. It was so strong on him that when he came down from the mountain, the people said that his face looked like God. There was beams of light coming out of his face, and he looked fearsome. It actually says that he was fearful looking. Well, what that was, it was the awesome face of, 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 of someone who had been in the presence of God to where it was transformed. I have seen these beings in heaven. There are certain beings in heaven. They actually look fearful to look upon. 
He is expounding on the white horse and he's giving some motions and actions to the the white horse and putting the focus on the white horse and knowing that because he's seen the white horse in heaven, that this is helping us know that the time for Jesus drawing closer because it's kicking the stall. We don't need this information. (laughs) This is extra biblical. It's pointing back to Kevin about him having this supernatural experience. It's not pointing back to Christ. Now, I wanted to share a little bit more with you about things that he said near the end of this broadcast. I found this interesting. He was alluding to, about the 20-minute mark, he was alluding to the glory on Moses. So let's see what he said has to say about that. They actually look fearful to look upon. There's a holiness about them. They're so beautiful. They're so striking that you can't look at them very long. Can you imagine what happened with Moses then? His face started to transform back to the image of God that we were made in before we fell. And Jesus told me because he had been face to face with me, he said his face started to change back to the original stock of Adam. And he was beyond comprehension. So when Moses went down, he didn't know that he had changed but the people saw him and were fearful. But think about this. Jesus told me that every individual in the camp of Israel was supposed to go up on the mountain with Moses. So think about it. Jesus told me that every person in Israel, the two and a half million people plus, they all should have been up there on the mountain and they all should have had glowing faces. So what I find interesting about this is, again, that's not even mentioned in Scripture. We see even in Exodus that there are restrictions placed on the people. We know that they were fearful for hearing the voice of God. And because of that, God set parameters to where no one except Moses and Aaron were allowed to go up on the mountain to hear what God had to say. I mean, we see this in Exodus 19 with Israel at Mount Sinai in verse 21. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, Go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. So we know what Kevin is saying right here is not lining up with Scripture. His extra biblical revelation that cannot be verified, but he's trying to verify it with a supernatural experience by using the name of Jesus and his experience. It is unverifiable and it contradicts scripture. There were only certain people that were allowed up on Mount Sinai. God set limits. He, he did not permit everyone to come up. And furthermore, the whole thing of our, our faces are supposed to shine with the glory of God. This is pointing to Christ. This is, again, pointing to the transformation that Christ brings in newness of life. This is not about us being special people. This is not about us being highlighted and drawing attention to ourselves. This is about pointing back to the Savior, back to the Messiah, back to the Redeemer, the Deliverer, the one who makes us new, the one who washes us clean from all unrighteousness. Moses was representing the first covenant. He was representing the law, and it was veiled. The Word of God tells us this. I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to read the entire chapter. It's a short one. 
But it's worth noting here, especially with what he's talking about. You know, Jesus told him that the the believers in the last days are supposed to have shining faces and that the angels had shining faces and it reminded him of Moses and the glory and such that and he and he's going on and on about this and and, and referencing it, but I want to talk to you about that there the fact that this is pointing to a better covenant that the it's a it's a greater glory a greater covenant that we're under that's better than Moses. Moses is not our example. We can be encouraged by Moses and the faith that he had, but he was also a sinful man. He was fallible and he disobeyed God. He is not to be put on a pedestal. In fact, he is one that it, he was in need of the Messiah. He was in need of the savior. Just as much as you and I are. He is not one we are to emulate. We are to emulate. We are to to imitate Christ. We are to imitate him. But Kevin is going to tell you at the end of this broadcast here in just a minute that we are to imitate Moses, that we are to follow in Moses' way. We are never told to do that. Moses is a type and shadow. And some people would argue, well, he's in the Old Testament. You know, for the life, it's it's so ironic to me that even in 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 the in the for example the hyper charismatic church, if you mention the Old Testament in some way to try to point people back to the truth, they will get very upset about it. But it's okay for for prophets and such to point back alleged prophets to point back to the Old Testament for examples for them to prophetically read into passages and say this is what we're supposed to glean from it, and then to expound on it even more by saying by claiming some sort of extra biblical supernatural encounter with Jesus coming to them or taking them to heaven in a near-death experience and to basically say, well, Jesus told me this and you need to listen to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, are we beginning to commend ourselves again or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. You see the contrast here as I I'm reading this between the law and the spirit, the, the, the old covenant versus the new covenant. Verse seven. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Amen and amen to that. Now, in closing, he shares this at the 22-minute mark about paralleling Moses. So let's see what he has to say as we come to an end of our examination today. 
to do with Moses and his example. So thank you for, for joining me on this program. But this is what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Take the life of Moses and study it. I want you to go over the book of Exodus and go through what happened with Moses and take some notes because that's what I did. The Lord showed me that that we were to parallel the walk of Moses and the training of Moses and, and start to understand that the things of God are going to become pre predominant in your life in these last days. I mean, I'm telling you, it's getting to the place now where when I go to sleep, I, I sleep for a couple hours and I wake up and there's an angel standing beside me in my room and I want to sleep. I'm tired. But the angel's telling me like it just happened right before this broadcast. I woke up and there was an angel there and they, they wanted me to pray. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, can you get somebody else? I'm tired. And I, I've been working so hard and, and they said, there's no one else you need to pray. So I had to pray. And now I feel the fire of God and I understand why. But see, this is going to happen to everyone because I'm no more special than any of you. God sent me back for you. But the thing is, is that he is making himself special again. And I don't know his intentions. I don't know his intentions. I can simply listen to his teaching and take from that. He is trying to make himself special. He may be sincere in what he's saying. That doesn't mean he's right. That doesn't mean that he is listening to uh, the true spirit that's ministering to him. It doesn't mean that he's really having these encounters. It doesn't mean that this is the true Jesus that's coming to him. If there is someone coming to him at all that's claiming to be Christ. But see, he is making himself special when he does that. And no, we are not to have our lives parallel Moses. We are to imitate Christ, as has already been said. But I want you to notice one last thing, too, here. I found it so interesting. I mean, in a world with millions of people, let alone the millions of people alone in the United States, hundreds of millions of people, he's saying that angels came to him and said, he said, I'm tired. I've been doing all this stuff. Again, self-exaltation. Gospels not proclaimed in any of this message. Angels come to him and they say, well, we need you to pray. And he's like, I'm so tired. I've been working so hard. Can you get somebody else? And they say, well, there is nobody else. You mean to tell me that in, the, in a world where there are millions of people and there are many people that, are, that, that pray, that they get on their knees or that they, they are get before their Lord in the private time and they, they pray their fervent prayers unto the Lord. They're praying for other people. They're praying for needs. They are seeking after uh, the truth of God and they are um, bringing, coming before the throne of grace and they're bringing these, these requests and these petitions. You're telling me that that you had that there were angels that came to you and said there's nobody else. You're that special. See what I'm saying here? It's this false humility of saying, "Well, I'm not special. You know, God will do this to me." But then saying, "Well, there's nobody else to pray, so I guess I'll have to do it." And then the fire came. Guys, we got to get back to the word. <laughs> we got to get back to the word. You don't need this extra biblical teaching. And sometimes it's painful listening to this stuff because I see the danger in it and I, I trust me, I take no uh, pleasure in, in having to discuss these things, but I know that they're helpful. And maybe it's helpful for someone else to listen to this and to maybe wake up from the from the delusion and the deception that this is not biblical teaching. This is not nothing to be enamored by. We need to get back to the Bible. We need to get back to Scripture. Stop chasing an extra biblical revelation. You can defend this type of behavior. But just know if you're defending it and you don't know what scripture says, you're falling into a strong delusion. You're, you're chasing a strong delusion. You're believing something and God will give you over to that strong delusion. 
If you want to perpetuate that, he will give you over to it. This is not of God when it's delusional, when it's deceptive. We can defend this type of behavior. We can dismiss it and say, oh, there's bigger fish to fry. There's more important things to worry about. But the problem is the gospel is not being ministered in this message. People are not being pointed back to Christ. They're being pointed back to Kevin Zadai. They're being pointed back to Bobby Connor. They're being pointed back to all the other people that are professing that they have had all these supernatural, extra biblical revelations, these encounters, these trances and everything. They're pointing back to men and women who are professing and claiming these things and they're exalting themselves. They're diminishing Christ in the process and they're not proclaiming the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And some of these people are perpetuating something that they are making monetary profit off of it. And the Bible warns about that. So we can defend it. We can dismiss it. We can test it to see if it lines up with scripture. And that's what we should be doing because we care enough and we love people enough, including these people who are ministering falsehoods. We love people enough to tell the truth. And the truth is this stuff is deceptive and it's delusion and it needs to be dismissed and it needs to be rejected and people need to get back to the word of God. And for those who would envy this type of behavior, I want to to just encourage you, this is not to be envied. This is grieving to, to hear some of this stuff and to know there are hundreds of thousands. That's the other thing, too. The reason why I'm covering, I'm covering some of these things, hundreds of thousands of people listen to these broadcasts, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, depending on who they're listening to and what broadcast. Many people are under these, the impression that this is godly biblical teaching. It's not. It's leading people astray. It's leading people down paths they don't need to go and wanting to hear the voice of God for themselves. And, and I want to encourage you, if you, if, for, for one thing, if you're envying this type of thing or you're wondering, why am I not hearing the voice of God for myself? Listen, if you're reading scripture, first and foremost, you are hearing the voice of God. You are hearing him speak in his word. When you are reading his word, this is God breathed. Please don't forget that. The word of God is God breathed. It is alive and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Hebrews 4.12 tells us about this. The word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It is the truth. We We can be certain of it and be confident in that and rest in that. And we don't need to keep continue chasing all of these experiences. So if you have been reading the word of God, you have been hearing God speak. Be certain of that. When you heard the gospel, you heard the voice of the shepherd. You really did. You don't have to have some supernatural experience to validate yourself as a Christian, as a believer in Christ. What validates you as a Christian is the supernatural experience of salvation. You want a supernatural experience to be to verify then the transformative nature of the Holy Spirit indwelling you at the moment of salvation he will, God will change you and do a work in you and transform you in, into the, the old, the old man will pass away and the new will come. But you don't need some sort of supernatural experience. You don't need to think that you're a low class Christian because you haven't heard the voice of God for yourself. You don't need to think that you're some sort of coach Christian or business class Christian because you haven't had Jesus walk into your living room. And it's, it's terrifying to think of these people that are going to stand before God and give an account for what they've done and leading people astray and not realizing that they've been under delusion. As far, as far as someone who thought I was hearing the voice of God all the time and focusing on dreams and visions and, and having all these supernatural encounters, I've come to the point where I want to understand first and foremost, for as me as a believer in Christ, as a born-again believer in Christ, my first priority is 
is not in hearing God for myself. I want to have that intimate relationship with God. And I understand that that first and foremost, as a priority in, in having that intimate relationship, that fellowship with God, is to get into the Word. And I am not going to be chasing after hearing God for myself or wanting to have a dream or vision or trance or anything like that. I'm not chasing after any of that like I once was. Because if I don't know what this word says, if I don't know what his written word says, and I go chasing after those other things, then I'm not going to know when I'm in deception. If I don't know what this written word says, and I don't realize that this, this is essentially a love letter that's written out in order for us to understand, and it's testifying of the lover of my soul, the lover of your soul. If I don't realize that I'm reading the what God says in his word that's his instruction and it's testifying of redemption and reconciliation, his steadfast love, his faithfulness, his grace, his mercy, his peace, his joy, if I'm not and his justice, if I'm not recognizing that and I'm not understanding what his word means, and I'm not taking the time to read his word, then I have no business chasing after supernatural experiences that could lead me down a path of delusion. And believe me, my friend, I have been there. So I want to encourage you today, get back to the word. Test what you hear. Don't just take someone's word for it when they say they've had a supernatural experience and they're trying to verify it and validate it with unverifiable experiences. Their revelation is trying to be verified by unverifiable experiences. And essentially, they're propping themselves up as as a special person. Whether the intent is there or not, they're doing that. And we are to model Christ. So with that, I hope this has helped you today. I look forward to being on here with you again next time. Be blessed today by this word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.